we have to do something for the future of our kids, you know. And uh, it was end of September and uh, we have friends in Hungary. They said, guys, come over, we'll help you to escape where Austria, towards Germany, you know. And we packed our stuff and we told our kids that we're going back to Russia. They were missing, you know, and when we arrived the border of East Germany and Czech Republic, the soldiers was looking, arresting people because people start escaping. You cannot imagine how scared I was. I remember the movie about the second war where the Nazis arrested people, you know, and it was so scaring. And then we arrived Hungarian border and we told them, we'll let them, we're going to Russia and they believe it. Otherwise they will arrest us, put in prison. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. In this episode, we're speaking with Dildora Muzafali. Dildora was born and raised in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. But she moved and lived in many countries, including Ukraine, East Germany, West Germany, and finally the United States. When tragedy struck and she was left with absolutely nothing, it was Dildora's love of her friends, pure grit and a sunny attitude that got her through. Today, she is a serial entrepreneur and an author of a book that describes her journey from the Soviet Orient to the Western world, Sunshine Girl. This is her story. Hi, Dildora. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I am so excited to hear about your story today. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. Oh. It's a big Pleasure to have an interview with you today. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so excited. Um, you know, I, I read your book. I know your book has just come out and I read your book and you basically come from uh, Uzbekistan. Now, a lot of people don't know about the, you know, this, those five countries in Central Asia, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. I mean, and you literally went from Uzbekistan to Ukraine to East Germany to West Germany and finally to America. But you grew up in Tashkent and it was, even though you uh, grew up Muslim, but it was not very restrictive, right? And you were the oldest of, of your siblings. So how, what was it like growing up? What did you want to be when you grew up? 
Okay, yes, um, you say all with these five stance countries, they're all located in Central Asia and they were part of Soviet Union. Even today, when I introduce myself and I say I'm from Uzbekistan, a lot of people say, oh, Pakistan, we never heard. And then I say Russia, because nobody knows us as a Uzbek, Kazakh, Kyrgyz, Tajik, we were like from Russia. Despite our culture is totally different. You know, I was born in Tashkent under the communist system. Uh, on the one hand, I grew up in a Muslim culture, you know, in my Uzbek community. But during the day, I went to the Russian school where I got my uh, European ed education. It was totally two different cultures, two different systems, which always brought me in confusing who I am because Russians system, you know, liberated woman and man that had equal rights. After coming to home, I face a Muslim culture where women supposed to be shy, you know, submissive, you know, don't have any equal rights with the man. It was always confusing. As a child, I really hate this because I like more our Soviet system, which gave us chance to get a high education, be liberal, to make a career. My mom, uh, 1956, already made her PhD. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah, and she went to the Moscow, and then she was the dean of the department, chair of faculty. She was a really well-educated person. As soon as she came to home, she became Muslim wife. And this controversy, I could never understand. I couldn't understand where I am where I belong, you know? And as a child, I hated all this feudalistic tradition, arranged marriages, you know? And then I was resistant against this. And I always wanted to escape from this system. I want to have my freedom. I want to have my career, you know? Mm -hmm. It was hard for me, especially uh, because my, um, how I look like was different. I have very fair skin and light eyes. I was stranger in my community, you know, kids didn't like me. I even was ashamed to wear traditional silk atlas dress because everybody pointed to me and said, hey, this, she's a stranger, has uh, this traditional dress, which, you know, created and haters against my community. I really um, didn't want to go to visit my families because Everyone around said, hey, who is this Russian girl? Yeah, or who is this, this Tatar? Being Russian and Tatar in my community, it was such a shame. Because Uzbek people wasn't really open-minded to other nationality. Even, you know, Soviet Union brought us all together. You know, we're all the same, all 15 brothers and sisters. But inside the culture, no. As soon you are different, they reject you. And I was always rejected in my community. Going to Russian school, I was rejected in Russian school because I was Uzbek. Mm -hmm. I never belonged to anywhere as long as I grew up. I was, I always was looking to the place one day where I can escape and feel at home. I think and I found this place. <laughs> this is was how I grew up, you know, always compromising to different cultures. So, yeah. so your mom was a PhD and I know your dad was like in the theater and, you know, he was working there. So did your mom have any expectations about what she wanted you to be? 
or did you want to say that did you also want to be like you know professor or uh, what did you want to be when you grew up you know uh, first of all uh, because my father was director of tv and sometimes he took me to the opera theater Mm -hmm. i was in love with ballet you know we in soviet union had wonderful education for us, it was very normal to go to the classical concert, to ballets, and he always took me to the ballet performances. I want to be ballerina. Even my father was involved in this business, and when I begged him to be ballerina, he said, no, you're Uzbek girl. Uzbek girl cannot be ballerina. You have to be shy and modest, you know? I said, why? Why? He said, no, you cannot be, you know? And then I dreamed to be journalist. And then I was to be a film critic, but my parents say, no, it's better to be a doctor because if you are a doctor, and as I told you, is arranged marriage is very common in our society, it will be easy to find a groom because everybody have, want to have a daughter-in-law as a doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. This is what they wanted to be, you know? But I always wanted to be journalist or I wanted to start an international relationship because as a child, I was so curious, open-minded. I want to learn world and different culture, you know? Yeah, and there's this confrontation with my parents because I didn't want to be a doctor, you know? And I applied to the university for international economic departments. Yes, my parents couldn't do anything because education, it's important was education. On the end, it doesn't matter what, but college, university education, it was very valuable mm-hmm. in our system those days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after you went to, um, so while you were at university, your parents were like, I'm sure they were putting a lot of pressure on you to get married, right? Because like, oh, you're Uzbek, you're going to need to find an Uzbek boy. But you had no intention of doing that. You know, as a child, I hated this old feudalistic tradition, mm-hmm. you know, arrange marriages and then live with your mother-in-law, you know, and be submissive in this society. And what the hell you have this education? Mm-hmm. Why do you give the woman this education if you cannot be fully, you know, liberated, you know, because, yeah. I could become doctor during the day. I work as a doctor. As soon as I came home, I have to serve my mother-in-law, you know? And as a child, I always had some resistance against this. I always want to escape this because I knew there is a chance by going to Soviet school. I knew I can make career. I knew I can be independent, you know? And I never ever want to serve my mother or parents-in-law, you know, just because I belong to this culture. You know, mm-hmm. yes. So, so it was. So, so your parents were not happy about the fact that, um, you know, that you were not, um, you you didn't want to have an arranged marriage. So, uh, but you actually got married to an East German. How did you meet your husband? Yeah, what happened actually? I was ad- admitted at Moscow University, most pres- prestige for international economy department. But the day before we left to Moscow, their minister of higher education invited me with my father. I said, no, you cannot go to Moscow. This place was taken with someone who's a hair rank in Uzbekistan. I said, it doesn't matter. I will go away. I wouldn't stay in Uzbekistan. And he offered me to go to Odessa and promised next year I will be transferred to Moscow. I wanted to just go away. It doesn't matter where go away from my uh, traditional society. Then he offered me to go to uh, Odessa. Odessa is a wonderful city. 
on the coast of Black Sea, you know, it's very like Babylon, you know, more than 100 different nations are living there, but I didn't have any clue where we're going. I was ready to just go away, you know, and there's a lot of young people from East European country, like Poland, Hungary, you know, Germany, East Germany, they have a chance to come to study in Russia. Yeah, and my husband came to Ukraine, to Odessa, and I came from Central Asia. I sometimes I believe in destiny, mm-hmm. you know, coming from Central Asia and he coming to East Germany and meet in Odessa. It was magic, you know. Yeah, I met him, I fell in love, but I knew that I will never be able to be married to him. It was no way. First of all, my tradition, my family, the system would never allow me to leave the country and move abroad. It was no way. But I was in love and I just let it go. Yes. Then my parents found out that I got married him. They transferred me back to Tashkent. Then my father tried, told me I will get married right away. And they tried three times to organize a rainy marriage and I was rejected. I think they were so tired. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, can you imagine it's Soviet uh, system mm-hmm. you know, and nobody can leave the country. Right. Uzbek Muslim tradition, my family, my community, I have mm-hmm. had to fought all this. You know, it took me three, three years first fight my tradition, leave my community, my parents, and I, I could understand it was really, really bad thing I was doing toward my parents. Mm-hmm. If their daughter married not only German, foreigner, but Russian, someone who's not Uzbek, it's a stigma, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And they're leaving the country, it can damage career of my parents, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I was young, I was in love, and I was so excited, you know, they discovered the world and moved to different countries, you know. Yes, and the day before I left, I realized how much I was hurting my parents. Mm-hmm. I was so sad, you know, and... Yeah, it's happened. It's how how old were you when you got married? When you left to get married? Uh, I was nineteen years old. <sighs> I was married my husband. I was hardly seventeen years old. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was really pretty young. Wow. You know, and I was oldest daughter in my family, which really damaged the marriage of mm-hmm. my siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because to have a family, some girl who married foreigner and Germans, you know, the image of Germans was not really positive in my country mm-hmm. because we survived the second war, you know, and a lot of families still remember the grandparent they lost during the war. And we grew up with this old Nazis movie, you know, mm-hmm. Germans somehow, you know, associated with this. And this is really additionally made a really bad situation for my parents, you know, for their career. But, you know, I was young. I was very, very, very strong. Even my Russian, Armenian friends, Dildora, you will never do it. How you can do it? Because I knew it's it's my life. It's my destiny. If I don't take the chance now, I will stop again like all other Uzbek women. You know? Right. This is what I hated as a child, you know? Right. Yeah. You followed, and, you followed your dream. Whatever, wherever destiny was taking you, that even though it was the most difficult decision, you still chose to. It was not a decision. A system didn't allow me to leave. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I was excluded from Komsomola. This was a young communist organization. They excluded me. It was the question exclusion from my college because I supposed to marry a foreigner, you know? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and KGB, you know, they didn't let me go. I was lucky. I came to the organization. It's called Ovir, who gave you the passport, issue passport to go to different country. I was sitting and crying on the hall because I got so much documents, list of documents I had supposed to provide, which I would never, ever get it. And then the um, young woman, you know, in uniform approached me and said, why are you crying? She invited me to your office. I was crying and said, why? I have no right to be happy. Why? Why? I am in love. I want to be with this guy. And she said, do you know, I will help you. I'm Uzbek myself. When I was young girl, I was in love with the Russian guy. But I wasn't strong enough to fight for my happiness. Now, look, I'm alone. I'm never married. I'm regretting. You know, and you're the first Uzbek girl who fall in love with German and want to go abroad. Why not? I will help you. And she helped me. If it's not her, I probably will never be able to leave the system, the country and community. Wow. Yeah. Wow. True love. True love. huh? It was really, really true love. And I'm still never, ever regretting what I did. But even today, I'm surprised. How, how did I want? How did I make even my friends from Moscow, Russia said, How was you able? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, Yeah. And even my parents hide for years and years that I was got married to a German guy, you know. Oh my goodness. And so finally you left, you left um, Tashkent, you left Russia, you went you went to East Germany, and you were in East Germany before the wall fell. So what was what was yeah, it like yeah, yeah. living there b- before that? It was like, yeah, it was another communist country. And sometimes I always say it was a red fascism there because it was so strict, you know, under everything was ruled by communist government, you know. Of course, when I arrived, I had a totally cultural shock. It was different culture in all aspects, you know, in a food and lifestyle, in family relations, you know. I was shocked. It took me probably two years oh to my understand goodness. where I am. I just was crying every day uh, because we didn't have any friends and a really distant relationship with the family. It's not like in your culture and my culture, entire family come together. Right. No way. Uh, you cannot bother your neighbors asking for salt or egg. It's They don't do this, you know. We didn't have friends. We didn't have any communication, any social life, you know. And I have a problem with the food. In Uzbekistan, we have a lot of fruit, vegetables, spicy food. And in Germany, very mild, you know, eating a lot of meat. Yes. And I always was living, looking back because my husband promised we'll move back to Russia. This was the only condition I decided to move, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was very cold, gray weather, and you know. And I, I did, know. and I did read in the book that uh, they eat a lot of pork, and you don't eat pork because you grew up not eating pork. Yeah, in yeah. Muslim, right. And the people in East Germany usually didn't travel; they wasn't open-minded. And for them, I was an exotic person, even for me, family members oh. of my husband, and they always cooked pork. And 
I tried to explain and my husband to explain, I don't eat pork. They couldn't understand. And he explained, it's cultural. Mm-hmm. You have to respect it. For them, it was something, you know, outstanding, something not normal, you know, mm-hmm. how entire family eat it, why you couldn't eat it, you know. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to explain, you know, and I have always culture clash with family members, with German society, you know, because they were not open to different culture, you know, and it wasn't their fault. Their country was closed. They hardly travel outside of their country, you know. Yeah, even my dressing, you know, in East Europe and Russia, we always pay attention how we look like. Makeup, you know, high heels, dresses. Colors, colors. Colors, colors, colors. And I came to Germany, nobody wear dress, no makeup on the woman. No one wears their high heel shoes, you know. I was criticized all the time on the street and I found that, you know. And then I said, okay, I have to change my style. If I live in this country, maybe I need to adjust to this culture. I didn't want it, but I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it, it was very, very tough for me. Um, I think just my love to my husband has helped me to survive, yeah. Mm-hmm. But from there, you actually, you guys escaped to um, to West Germany, bef- you know, and so how, so how long were you living in East Germany before you moved? No, actually, we live, uh, I lived seven years in Germany and then we went back to Russia because okay. the expatriate, Gorbachev mm-hmm. time started, Perestroika, you know, between 85, 89, their government started telling the the all 70 years we lived before, it was full of lie, you know, hypocrisy, yes. And then uh, they start glasnost, they start publishing, you know, a lot of uh, famous writers like Solzhenitsyn, you know, Bulgakov, Pasternak, you know, all magazines were was full of articles and we were really open to build democracy. And then our contract ended, we're supposed to go back to East Germany. And we knew in East Germany, nothing changing. Uh-huh. We, yes. And then we came back to East Germany, nothing changed. Even Russian newspapers were prohibited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we decided, okay, we have to do something for the future of our kids, you know. And uh, it was end of September. And uh, we have a friend in Hungary. They said, guys, come over, we'll help you to escape where Austria to West Germany, you know. And we packed our stuff and we told our kids that we're going back to Russia. They were missing, you know, and when we arrived the border of East Germany and Czech Republic, the soldiers was looking, arresting people because people start escaping. You cannot imagine how scared I was. I remember the movie about the Second War where the Nazis arrested people, you know, and it was so scary. And then we arrived Hungarian border and we told them, we'll let them, we're going to Russia and they believe it. Otherwise they will arrest us, put in prison. This is what they did. And then we arrived in Hungary and then we were in the refugee camp. And then we saw a lot, a lot, a lot of families were separated who was trying to escape. They arrested kids, they arrested husbands, they beaded people. Mm. You know, it was terrible what I saw in this refugee camp, you know. But we decided we have to give our kids a better life. 
and it wasn't easy. We left everything behind, you know, our apartment, our staff, you know, and we thought, okay, have a new future. And then we escaped with Austria. As soon as we entered the Austria, by the West uh, German laws, everyone was German, became right the way German citizenship. Oh. My husband became right the way on the border, German passport. And because I wasn't German, I had to apply. And then we arrived Germany, West Germany, another culture shock. <laughs> because of this, Germans were more open-minded. They were curious about my culture. They want to know everything, you know. Yes. And then, yeah, we started from zero, our life. And I think it was a good decision. Another tough decision was for me, you know, mm -hmm. after leaving my country when I was 19. Oh, my gosh. And then after that, and how long were you in West Germany? Um, you uh, lived there. We lived seven years. And, and I always had a dream to be a journalist. And I wanted to move to Munich. Uh, and, I, uh, and I wrote a letter to Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. This is a radio station. It's created by American Congress. They did broadcasting during their, you know, Soviet time to all East European countries. And I was secretly listening in my country and I always dreamed to work there. And I applied for the job and I got this job. I was the most happiest person, you know, and I had a lot of my own shows and I met so many interesting people. I met the Uzbeks who moved from Afghanistan and um, Turkey. They usually were kids of Basmachi. There's a people who escaped after when Soviets, you know, conquered their Central Asia. I had a wonderful experience seven years in West Germany. I was teaching at Munich University, yes. And my husband got an offer to move to the United States. I said, why not? I heard a lot about America, you know, I. I I want to go to America. Even despite I live in Germany, uh, you know, I still didn't feel myself at home because Germany, like other countries, is monoculture system or like Europeans country. They were not open for immigrants, you know, and they always ask what I'm doing in Germany, how long I will stay, will I go back to home? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and when I said I'm teaching at the University of Munich, Munich, they say, how, how comes you're not German? How you can get this career? You know, they always let you know in some different ways you doesn't belong to this society, to this culture, you know. Then I really didn't feel comfortable. And mm. then we got then an offer to move to the United States with it. Yeah, why not? And you once you came to the U.S., you loved it. No, no, not, not in the beginning. Not in the beginning when we came. Again, the different culture. It's everything was different. A lot of things remind me my childhood. Big street, big houses. You know, I like friendly people and very social. American way, very social. You know. But everything was different, different from my culture. It was different from European culture, you know. And I remember we came to downtown of Detroit on Woodward Jefferson, 1997. 
ghost city. No, yes, those are the days I remember. Yes, uh, yeah, and I thought, okay, maybe we can find a downtown. Mm-hmm. My friend said, no, this downtown, and I cried for two weeks. I said, what the hell we're doing here? <laughs> you know, at the metropolitan area. There is a, everything like countryside, no people on the street. You have yep. to drive, you know, food is different. Yep. Yep. Yes. And I was always comparing and was really very unhappy in the beginning. Uh, and I, one day I said, okay, do you know, Dolora, change your uh, attitude. The million people dream to come to the United States. You have this chance. Why you don't close the your chapter behind and don't compare and open new chapter, you know, new America. Get a positive, get a nice things, you know, and then you will discover. And that was a really good decision. When I change my attitude, I start falling in love in this country, and then I learn what makes this country so great. Mm. So you have actually now lived in the U.S. for almost 20 years, right? And you became a citizen and you have your own business. Um, But before you decided to live here, you had to go back to Germany and then tragedy struck. So what what prompted you to come back? You know, uh, 2007, it was recession and my husband lost job and they offered him job in Germany, you know, and we didn't want to leave. But we have to leave. Uh, we didn't want to go to Germany, but we moved back to Germany. Me and my husband wasn't unhappy, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, when you expatriate, you know, when you learn some new things, when you come back to the country, you meet them. I was missing a lot of things from the United States. Mm-hmm. And we have somehow in our mind, it was temporary. Then I, tragedy happened. My husband died. Mm-hmm. I always beg, you know, the God, if something happened like this, I didn't want to be in Germany. The reason, because I knew I will be alone suffering this tragedy, what had happened, you know. I ended up in hospital for five weeks. Nobody came from Germany, no friends. All friends who came to support me, it was friends from Italy, England, France, and Austria. Wow. And when I was in hospital, I got everyday calls from five, six friends from America every single day. They want to know how I am. They were really worried about me. And one day, chef of department called me and said, Frau Damisch, what are you doing here? I work at this department for 20 years. I never experienced that any of my patients get so much call. You're getting so many calls from America. Why you don't move there? It seems you have a real friend there. Yes, I know, but my <laughs> kids were already in Germany, you know, and it was a tough decision. Um, and I was already 50 years old. I knew I couldn't find any job, you know, in Germany. And I was still lonely, you know, because you will prove who is your real friend when you face tragedy. Right. If they're with you all the time, they're really your friend. And sure. turn out all my friends are in America. You know, yes, I have my kids in Germany, but they're grown. They have their own life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I make a decision and I move back to the United States, you know. And I think the most smartest decision I made in my life, I have to start from zero. But good thing I was surrounded 
by all my friends. It was tough. I lost everything with the death of my husband. I like had started at new immigrants who moved to America again. Mm-hmm. I was cleaning. I was washing dishes. I was packing packages. I was cooking for everyone. You know, I started from zero. And good things, all my friends were supporting me because in the United States, job is job. It doesn't matter what kind of job people right. are. Right. You know, nobody said, oh, Dodora, come on, you have master's degree and this, you're cleaning, you're this, you know, it matter. it's a good job. And they supported me. And some friends gave me job, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I really value. I remember when I was crying, missing my husband in the car, listening NPR, and it was Dalai Lama. And their reporter was asking, how do you survive all these tough times? Um, so I always try to find positive in everything. And I said, what, what is positive in my situation? I lost everything. I lost my husband. I'm starting from zero. I suddenly see my friends. It's turned out I have so many good friends, Indian, Persian, American, Russian, Chinese, Taiwanese. They all were with me for the two years. I was in the grief. So this is my value. Are there so many people in the world who have so many friends? 12 friends was day and night with me, mm. taking care, you know? And I said, I'm the most happiest person in the world. This is my value, you know? You can have millions of dollars. You cannot buy friendship. True. No, True. never. And they supported And I start uh, cooking and I start my international cooking classes. And then I was invited by Fox News and NBC with my food segment. I was so proud, you know. Yeah, and then I started translating for elderly people, start teaching them English, taking them out to Detroit. So I started my home care business. I never thought about it, but I found out I have chemistry towards elderly people. Mm -hmm. You know, the majority of them were immigrants who moved from different countries. I have never been out the apartment. Mm -hmm. taking them to Detroit. And I studied a lot about Detroit, but mm-hmm. I have never ever thought 1997 when I was in downtown of Detroit, that one day I will have multilingual Detroit downtown tour company, which will be successful, you know? Mm-hmm. Then I started parallel to my home care business. I started, you know, Detroit downtown tour company, you know, and yeah. I'm looking forward to start new business again. I'm working <laughs> on it now. That's because awesome. the country where I am, if you're well educated, if you're talented, you can do it. Yes. You can. I absolutely country, agree. Yeah, this is the country where I am. I always say what is different between Europe and the United States. In Europe, when you come, they say, Hey, how are you? When are you going back? When you come to the United States, they say, hey, how are you? Where are you from? And when are you applying for citizenship? Right. This is what makes huge to different systems. Yes. And you're welcome. And finally, I started feeling I'm at home. Finally. Yeah. You're welcomed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm welcomed. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I love the book, your, the book that you've written and how you've chronicled your journey. Um, you called it Sunshine Girl, uh, my journey from the Soviet Orient to the Western world. Uh, and you have kids and you have grandkids. And I, I, and I read that your father is the 30th generation of a family of scholars from Iraq. 
I mean, you have traced it all the way back to, you know, before even, um, you know, the ancient civilization. So why did you decide to write the book? Was it to was it to explain your legacy to your kids and grandkids? What was your what was the reasoning behind it? You know, years and years, my friends always said, Laura, I have such a rich, amazing life. And everybody always asked me, how did you meet husband? How did you get married? Because it's really unusual. And they always listen to my love stories. And they say, you have to write the book. Every single person, French, Italian, Austrian, American friends, Laura, you have to write the book. You have to write the book, you know. And one day I was on the train in Germany with my notebook. And I said, maybe. Now I have time. And I started writing. It just pouring. It started, yes. And then when I was digging in my history, as you said, I have really come from ancient family with a 30 generation where scientists or, yeah, and my old uncles were scientists in mud and physics. And I said, I have to write about this family, you know, about my generation, about my grandfather and his five brother who was killed by Stalin, you know, you know, about my father who built all culture of Uzbek culture, theaters, philharmonic, TV, you know, I have so much legacy and my kids and my grandchildren, they need to know this, you know, yeah, this is what encouraged me to do this, you know, and I really proud of myself when I published this book in uh, December. And the professor, Laura Kleiner from Wayne State University, she put the information on the network of scientists who mm-hmm. study Slavistic Central Asian. And then I started got so many emails from different universities. A lot of universities worldwide bought my book. Libraries and scientists show interest. And this is a unique book because it was written from personal point of view, right. you know, of life during the Soviet system in Central Asia. Mm-hmm. And recently I talked to the girl, American girl, her name is Bridget. She graduated Russian and Uzbek language. And she said, Laura, I studied so many books, but from your book, I really learned mm-hmm. what was it to be during the Soviet time in Central Asia and Russia. She said, I learned so many new things, you know? You see, then I help someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I, when I read it, it, I could almost picture, you know, what it was like with, you know, the flowers and the food and the houses and everything. So you, it's such an amazing, you, you're an amazing storyteller. You've written, an, you know, it's, it's really good. Uh, I love you. reading it. Um, but now you are, you are 62? Yes. Uh, yeah. You have been an immigrant in so many countries and you are doing fabulous. Look at you. I mean, you've got two businesses. You're already starting the thing. You're getting ready to start a third one. So what advice would you want to give to other women who are immigrants and, you know, left their homes in search of a better life? What would you want to tell them? I will tell them, uh, first of all, despite the age when you come, if you want to make a real career, don't think about age, go to study learn first language and go to the college. I know a lot of women just came and start cleaning, you know, doing another things. And they were high professionals in their country. I said, why do you do this? Go to the college, get your diploma, 
learn the language, look at me. We have so many immigrants who are professional here. I know a woman who came with 55 as a doctor and went to the college and started working, you know? And I think if you have a dream and you have a skills and you're in the United States, for example, you have a chance. Don't be scared, be open-minded. You know, and don't isolate yourself from American society. Be part of American society, you know. Accept this culture. I know a lot of communities, they separate, you know, stick together. And then even as a woman, I think this system and this country give you 100% chance to realize yourself. If you're well-educated, you feel professional, you know, and you have some entrepreneurial skills, you are in the right country. Don't be scared. Believe in yourself. Just do it because this system motivates you. It doesn't matter what you do. Everybody says, good job. You can do it. Be proud of yourself. You know, by growing up in Uzbekistan, the Muslim culture, Soviet culture in Germany, nobody says to me, hey, good job. You did great. You know, nobody motivated, you know, and in this country, even I start learning English, everybody said, oh, your English is so good. You start to believe it, you know, <laughs> they motivated you, you know. Yes. And if you really have a dream, just do it. Look at me. I lost my husband when I was 52. I have to start from zero. You know, I did everything. I need to earn money. I did it, you know. You know, I then want to have my business all my life. It was my dream. And one day I said, maybe this tragedy happened and now I have time for myself. Mm -hmm. Hey, girls, we don't need men. You know? <laughs> know, you know. Remember this. Maybe when you're single, you're alone, you can finally realize your dream. You know, you can own your business. You can travel, you know, you can do what you want to do. I remember when I just bought here condo, I went to furniture store buying first time in my life furniture. I was crying. Oh, I always did it with my husband. I miss him. And I said, Fildora, stop. First time in your life, you can't decide what you want. Yes. You know, first time in life. And it's always first time, Fildora. You can do it. First time you can do it. You don't ask anyone, you know. Mm -hmm. You want to travel, you travel. You spend the money, you can spend it. You know, you don't need to cook every night because your husband requires. Yeah. You go out with your friend. <laughs> right. Weekend, you don't need to spend time with them. You know, you go with friends in theater, in museum, in restaurants. Be positive. Try to find in everything positive. You always find positive, you know. Actually, our life full of positive things, you know, and even in negative things, try to find something positive. You always find it. And if you change mind and you will develop positive attitude to everything, life will be totally different. You know, you will start enjoying. Spoken yeah. like a true sunshine girl. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, just come to our team. Don't be upset. The lost husband and you became single now, you know. That's a good advantage of this, you yes. know? Yes, yeah. I absolutely agree. Thank you so much, Delora. I really enjoyed talking with you and hearing about your story. And good luck with your book, because I know there'll be a lot of people queuing up to buy that one. So I hope so. <laughs> I hope they, and I will give a lot of courage to that woman. Yes. Hey, woman, 21st century, you know, it's time for us to realize ourselves. 
That and in life. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.